Let's open up to Matthew chapter 13 we begin this morning. It's a nice looking sweater. Thank you. It is not ugly. Thank you. <clears throat> I didn't want to stumble, James. Pray for our weaker brothers. <laughs> Good to be with you, brothers and sisters, this morning. Matthew 13 this morning. I think this is one of the most important passages in all of the New Testament that's set before us today. We're beginning beginning a really a third section here in Matthew's gospel and we're going to be going through eight parables that Jesus is going to share with us and the first one that we're going to consider together this morning really is the key uh, to the rest that he has to share so I'm pretty excited to get into that with you guys I'd like to share with you I don't want you to turn there I'm going to share a paraphrase version of James chapter 1 verse 21 so if you listen carefully and then we'll pray this in it says in simple humility and we know humility is really a key isn't it to the Christian walk right so in simple humility let our gardener God landscape you with the word making a salvation garden of your life I think that's kind of a cool way to phrase that verse. Let's pray. Father, we know that you are um, you're a great sculptor. The things you've done in our lives, maybe not the way we would expect it, but we've seen your hand at work, and we're thankful that you don't stop. Lord, until, until that day, Father, you're going to complete a work that you began. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. And we are so thankful for your faithfulness. Even when we're faithless, what a good God you are. We are humbled this morning at the privilege to be able to come together to worship you in spirit and in truth and now to get into your word. We ask that you Help us to have understanding today that we'd have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. We don't want to make your word any more or any less than what it is. We want to come honestly, broken humbly before your word today. Don't let ourselves, our hearts, Lord, they do become dull at times. If that's the case, would you revive our hearts this morning? That your word, the seed of your word would be able to go deep Take root and bear fruit, Father. That's what you've asked us to do, Dad, to bear much fruit for you. And we want to do that well. So please help us. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So um, we know this text set before us, especially here in the West, they refer to this as the parable of the seeds. If you live in the eastern part of the world, they refer to this parable um, is uh, actually the parable of the seed. Here we refer to it as a parable of the, the sower. But here, this morning at Freedom Fellowship, we're going to call it the parable of the soils. Um, and I think as we go through this, you'll see it really is about the soils of our heart. So there are four um, 
different soils we're going to consider, and there's going to be four different results that come from this parable. So the question I want to ask before we start reading here in Matthew 13 is what soil type currently, okay, I'm talking right now this morning at this time represents the response that you have to the word of God, okay, and what he has to say here. So what can we do for our heart to become better soil? How many of you guys like to garden in, in here? Quite a few of you guys. Are there, for you gardeners, are there things that we could do to make our soil better? Absolutely. There's things that we can do to make the ground, the soil, bear better fruit, better veggies, more beautiful flowers, right? There's things. Do you guys think that may be true with our hearts in regard to God? I believe so. I think that's why Jesus is speaking these things to us, is that we would really examine ourselves, okay? Because if it didn't matter, why would he even speak to it, right? So obviously there's some things, and my prayer for you guys this week is that God would speak to us, because our hearts can be deceitful, right? Above all things, we can deceive ourselves to think, hey, I got a good heart towards God. Everything's good. Everything's kosher. It's cool, right? Well, if there isn't, I at least want to be in a place of God. Please show me that, you know, because I know I can think higher than myself or, you know, be off. So let's be open and real before the Lord this morning. And let's consider what kind of heart that he might want to, you know, work in a soil that he wants to do, the type that he's looking for. So let's take a look here at verse 1. And again, this is the parable of the soils. On the same day, Jesus, he went out of the house and he sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got in a boat and he sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower, he went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth on the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So you guys catch the setting here? We have Jesus. He leaves his house that he was there in Capernaum, and he walks down the block to Galilee. Crowds were of epic portions, we're told, great multitudes, and super Official followers multiplied. So the place, uh, they place him in this little boat and they push him off a little ways. Have you guys ever been on a lake and you could just hear your voice reflect off the water really cool? Well, that's what's going on here. Jesus is out on this boat. This Galilean seashore became his parish. The boat became his pulpit. Now, the parable of the soils, as we look at verses 3 to 9 here, I want to talk real quick about sowing during Bible times. Often they would load up their donkey with a bunch of the seed, the grain. 
Okay, and then you'd have the sower who would normally have a leather bag himself, and he would fill his up from what the donkey was carrying, and they would just spread them out. Okay, the seed randomly. Today, people, they'll first till the ground and then plant the seed. Back then, the seed would go out first, and then they would come to till, till up the ground uh, or plow it back in. So this is not a parable of a, a careless gardener. I don't want you guys to think that. That's not. I think that's why it's good to have an understanding how they sowed seed back then. A person wasn't just haphazardly just throwing out seed. No, they intentionally are throwing it all over. Then the tilling would come. So a footpath would often cut across these fields where the public would go and travel through a farmer's field or whatever for use. And as a farmer would scatter his seed, it would always land on some of this. And then we have these birds that Jesus is talking about that would come and quickly score a free meal. Oftentimes there would be large flocks of birds that would come and steal this seed. Kind of like seagulls. I don't know if you guys have ever had that where, hey, we're hanging out at Bay Beach with the kids. Fun. Let's go have a picnic lunch. Oh, where did all these seagulls come from? You guys ever see Nemo? Mine, 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 mine. If you have food, they're going to follow you all over the place. So that's kind of what I picture here. She's like, oh, free seed. Big flock of seagulls over there. I don't know. Rocks were under the soil, we're also told. They couldn't be seen. Okay, so they didn't know that the earth had no depth there. They're, it's just soil. No, there's rocks right underneath. And then many thorn bushes were also present, native to Farmers, uh, they would use whatever weeds, thorns that would come up, and they would actually use them for burning, for warming their home, for cooking and other things. So there was a reason why they didn't get rid of them during Bible times. So it was wasteful or insufficient on, on behalf of the sower to actually get rid of them, but it's really an illustration of God's grace. And that's what I'm hoping we're able to pull out of this this morning as we catch what Jesus is getting at, because this is God's message. You understand this? This is God himself speaking this parable, and he wants us to get it this morning. He wants us to hear, to understand. So God's seed is for all. You guys understand that? The seed is going out for all, but not everyone will receive it. That's the problem. So remember, it is not the sower or the seed that's the problem, but it's what? The soil. And I have a hard time when people keep pointing their finger back at God. Well, it's the sower's fault. No, it's the soil's fault, guys. So let's take a look at the parable's purpose here. Verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, but not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. This is the reason why, guys. Their hearts have grown dull. Their ears, they're hard of hearing. And their eyes, they have closed. 
lest they should see with their eyes and hear with the ears, lest they should understand in their hearts, in their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you, that many prophets, many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and not, did not hear it. So because of these superficial flowers and antagonists, he hides the meaning. They cannot get it with their own understanding. They can't get it on their own, guys. Now, this is a special parable. You guys can jot down Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Do you not understand this parable, Jesus said? How then will you understand all parables? So Jesus really says this parable is a key to all parables. This parable holds the key to all that we'll be studying in the next few weeks. So in general, verse 3, guys, then he spoke to them in parables. Okay, para means to come alongside of, and ball to cast or to throw out. So parable just simply means it's a story that will come alongside a teaching to help us understand its meaning. So parables are truth in picture form. How many of you guys have an easy time learning from pictures? Yeah, okay, we can learn from pictures. Shalom was so cute a few nights ago. Um, she came downstairs first thing in the morning. Hey, I was reading the Bible late last night. Oh, really? You don't even know how to read. How are you doing? I was looking at the pictures. <laughs> and there are those things we still can learn from pictures. And I think the reality of pictures is something God uses a lot of. I look how Christ loves the church and how every marriage really is a flexion of the gospel. It's a beautiful picture and it's the most common of all relationships i think it's just so cool god uses pictures all the time so the kingdom of god guys we have parables uh spoken he's speaking to the kingdom of god it's like a seed it's like a wedding feast it's like a treasure he goes on he speaks into these things each clue unveiling the mystery okay this mysterious kingdom of his mystery what's a mystery it's something that's previously unknown and then is made known to us so a parable gets the listener deeply involved compels them okay i don't know about you guys but we need to get stirred up a little bit that's why story form is often a good way to share with somebody or to uh, share the good news to make a person okay get personal in what they're thinking about. Make that decision they have to make personal about who God is, the truth of who he is, and the truth of who he is in his or her life personally. So on the surface, a parable seems like a harmless story, but it really explodes with powerful meanings. That's the beauty of the scriptures. That's why I love reading some of the prophets that are a little more poetic. There's a lot of story forms and if your heart is open to the lord it's just bombarded with truth a lot of people just read through well, what's that about you know but if your heart's in a place hey i want to know this is speaking to me what is going on that's why the word of god is so good and effectively works in those who believe 
this is eye-opening. This is a passage that I've taught topically through the years. I've taught Matthew before, but it is something even revisiting again this week in preparation for you guys. I was challenged personally in a lot of new ways that I hadn't been before in studying through this passage. And I think it's because that's the way God's intended it for us to be. His word is alive, guys. So, sorry, getting off track. Back to this parable. Okay, the point is, uh, we have the surface here. The parable seems like it's harmless, but there's something that God's doing. Okay, Um, it acts as a mirror or maybe a window. Okay, a mirror. When we read this stuff, it should act revealing ourselves. We should be able to take an honest look at ourselves, but it also serves as a window where we get to look through to God, to his grace. So Jesus explained the kingdom, not by giving a lecture here, okay, all right, I have the coolest pulpit of all time, look at the multitudes, I get to be out, out, you know, this is going to be some great pictures for everybody to take, I'm on this boat, No, what does he do here? Okay, he doesn't just go on about theology, but he really begins to paint a picture that is capturing the attention of this great multitude that had gathered um, these people and forced them to really use their imaginations to really think. And that's one thing a lot of Christians don't do today, or a lot of people in general, period. They're told what to think. They don't actually think it through. And we need to. God wants us to reason with him. He's given us intellect. Let's use it. Let's think. Let's reason with him. Now he'll show them how to interpret this parable. And he tells us in verse 18, it's explained of of the soils here. He says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one, who's that, guys? Satan. He hates us. He comes. He snatches away what was sown into our hearts. So people can hear, receive, but the enemy can come and rip off, steal that quick. Mine, not yours. And then um, he'll come, he'll snatch it from their hearts. And this is he who received the seed by the wayside. So he's explaining And then verse 20 says, And the one who received the seed on stony places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yeah! Jesus loves me. He died on the cross for my sins. I can go to heaven. I can be forgiven, right? So good. Well, he receives it with joy. Yet, verse 21 says, He has no root in himself, but he endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So there's three definitions set before us. If you look in your outlines, we have the sower, the word, and the soil that Jesus is laying down for you and I. The sower is Jesus Christ, and a sower can also be who? Us as believers who are out sharing the word of God, right? 
So that's who it's talking about here in verse 18. And I hope you're sharing the word of God with others. People need to hear. And we're also told in the scriptures that we need to uh, sow plentifully. Well, what does that mean? How many seeds have you planted this year? I shared the word with my one friend about eight months ago. You know? Let me tell you what, guys. Until Jesus comes, I just want to get the word out. You know? I don't know what God's going to do with it. That's his deal. But people need to hear. I believe that. I believe God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I'm never going to get sick of saying that. People need to hear it. Okay? And we need to get the word out. However that happens, just do it. So 2 Corinthians 9.6 says, Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Okay? And when we get to heaven someday, guys, we already have the greatest of all time. The greatest thing you could ever have. And that is relationship to be a part of God's family, to be forgiven of your sins and be given eternal life, to be able to spend forever with him. That is great. So what is this sowing and reaping? What is sending this lumber up into heaven? Is it just to build a really cool mansion for us to hang in for all time? I don't think we're going to really care because everything's going to be perfect. And we're not going to covet. We're not going to be jealous. We're not going to be like, hey, bro, you got a bigger mansion than me. Unfair. We're not going to care, are we? What we're going to care about is, man, you made it. I remember getting to share the scriptures with you. I remember when I bought you a Bible for Christmas, you actually read it and you believed it and you're here with me for all time. I think that's going to be the coolest thing for you and I. Man, and how is that going to happen, guys? Share a lot. Share a lot. So, the Word of God. Also, we're told to sow patiently. Psalm 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Do you guys weep over the lost? Do you cry for those that you want to share with? Are you broken that they don't know Jesus? Okay, so we need to sow, sorry, passionately and then patiently. Galatians 6, 9 is a verse I've been holding to for years now. It says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do you guys want to be sowing the word of God until the day you die? absolutely i hope the word of god is so hidden in my heart that if i lose my mind someday and i'm in an old nursing home and stuff that hey some young kids show up from a youth group to sing some songs on christmas i might not have a clue what's going on in the world but man in my heart (laughs) i know what you guys are singing about i know who you're singing about you know that hey i might not have a whole lot to say but all that's coming out of my face is the word of god wouldn't that be cool witnessing in our old age without even knowing it to the yeah i think if we take it serious and that's what in our heart as we studied a couple weeks ago that's what's going to come out right so the word the seed right the gospel is always a fruitful seed into its power but not not as to its produce so think about it the word of god is living and powerful i'm not ashamed of the gospel why because it is the power of god unto salvation Okay, it's the powers there, but where does the fruit come from, guys? It comes from that obedient heart, that surrendered, humble 
heart. That's where the produce comes from. So like the seed, guys, the word of God is alive and is able to produce spiritual fruit. So the seed must be planted and cultivated before the harvest has come. So seed is fruitful. There's an orchard. Think about it, guys of an apple there's a you know forest out there just because of one acorn think about what god can do with his word okay so the soil is the human heart and the seed needs a good heart to bring forth the fruit so let's consider we're going to look at four different hearts that are described before us this morning so the human heart the soil let's look at the first one again in verse 19 the superficial heart When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one uh, comes and he snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So the superficial heart, guys, is one that lacks understanding. Okay? They're lacking understanding. They may be... You know, there may not be a gross sin in their life, but they don't have interest in God whatsoever. Oh, you're a great guy. But you could care less about God, about what he has to say. Or they're too busy. I'm just too busy. I don't have no time to contemplate that stuff, to think on it, to reason, to be logical. Or it might be that they're not host, you know, hostile to the gospel. They're just disinterested. I just don't care. So soils become hard when too many feet, hooves, wheels tread upon it. So don't recklessly open your heart to all kinds of people and influences. Proverbs tells us in chapter, verse, or chapter 4, verse 23, Proverbs 4, 23, it says to keep your heart with what? All diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Okay, That's on us. We need to guard our hearts. So hard hearts must be plowed up, which is pretty painful. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Isn't that cool? Again, this is Hosea 10, 12. Plow up the hard hearts. We do that. For now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. I see how many of us Christians, we get caught up in this little side stuff. And we're not dealing with what really matters, and that is our hearts before God. Because we're too busy worried about them or this. and yeah, yeah. Question, did the Lord have to plow you up, your hard heart in your life, to get your attention, to get your heart into a place where you could finally hear and receive the word? And that's why we pray, guys. That's why we pray for our friends who have hard hearts. That's why we pray for our own hearts, okay? We go through times where it's easy to become calloused. I'm not as interested as I once was. Well, what's going on? My heart's growing dull, okay? Pray for God to revive your heart. Pray for me. Pray for each other. God, keep things fresh and new. Revive our hearts. Because let me tell you what, guys, the Word of God never goes dull, The Word of God is alive and it is powerful. If you have a problem, if it's not as interesting as it once was, the Word is not the problem. God doesn't change. You have changed. Our hearts 
have changed. That's the only thing that changes, guys. And that's why we need to be praying for each other. That's why I'm here this morning. I'm hoping I can stir you up, my brother and sister, that our hearts are softened, especially this time of year. Yeah, it's fun to celebrate Christmas. Man, the Savior has come. Why not let us rejoice and make him known to the world? What a privilege we have as believers during Christmas. But it's sad when we get caught up in the, all the other stuff of Christmas. Don't allow that to happen, guys. Keep your heart soft to him, especially during this season. So the superficial heart has a lack of understanding. Let's look at a shallow heart. This is the second heart that Jesus speaks to. In verse 20, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So the shallow heart has a lack of depth. There's no depth there. So in such of the land, there's you know, just a couple inches of soil, and then you have all this lime uh, stone um, bedrock beneath it. So it's super shallow soil in most of the Middle East there. And this is the emotional here, easily swayed by a tender appeal or maybe a good sermon. That was right on, man. My life is forever changed because of that one sermon. Man, what a sweet melody. This is awesome. But this person, he lives on impulses, impressions, intuitions, instincts, and largely upon their circumstances. Oh, I've been so blessed. My rich uncle died and I'm rich now. You know, Praise the Lord. I mean, don't we? That's our tendency. God doesn't change. Circumstances change. He stays the same. Okay? And we shouldn't be moved by anything, guys. See, the joyful, they joyfully accept the word here, but they do not really understand the price that must be paid to become a genuine Christian. There's a cost in following Christ. I'm not in because it's what my family does or it's comfortable, the thing to do, or I'll be accepted or I'll have a social life. No, there's a cost to following Christ. Where you lead, I will follow. What you ask, I'm going to submit. I surrender my all. So they are like fish that leaps out of the water with great energy, but it would be foolish to conclude that he has left the water forever. In a moment, the fish is swimming again as if it had never left that stream. So the water is still his home, sweet home. They've only been brushed by Christianity. You might see great enthusiasm with them for days, maybe weeks, maybe even months, but when the sun of persecution or difficulty comes, enthusiasm wanes that joy disappears the dazzling profession of faith but then something unexpected comes into their life and they abruptly fall away i've seen a lot of people do that a lot of people so i believe this is where so many of the enemies of the faith come from you know people that are just bitter towards god 
most of them had a church experience, some sort of religious thing happened in their past. See, man is pretty good at counterfeiting religious feelings. We're good at it. We can psych ourselves out, guys. So the shallow heart has a lack of depth. Lack of depth. It's hard for the word to go deep. That's something I want to see here at Freedom Fellowship. Okay? I don't want the word just to be some shallow thing. I want us to go deep. And I think as we take the word of God seriously and we slow down and actually talk about what is God saying, I think that gives us opportunity for those roots to go deeper and deeper in him. We need that foundation, guys. So, don't lack depth. But it's hard to go any deeper. Yeah, it hurts sometimes. But it's worth the pain, amen? All right, let's look at the third heart. This is a shared heart. I think this might ring true with a lot of us. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke out the word. And he becomes unfruitful. You guys ask, well, this is not an unbeliever. Why would you say this is a lot of our hearts? It's because we are the wealthiest people in the history of this world, guys. I had to have a reality check with my kids on the way to school Tuesday morning. We were talking about the reality of being able to drive to school in our chariot of a 2004 Toyota Sienna. I'm like, do you guys understand this chariot that we get to go? It has heat on this morning for us. I have a heated seat. You all have your own seat. Most kings throughout history never had a chariot that would even come close to the one that we have, guys. We take so much for granted. But I think when we put things in its place, when we step back and really see the blessings we have and understand how extremely rich and blessed we truly are, guys, it's going to help us to have right perspective because we can get caught up in those riches of what I deserve. It's this Christmas season. I hope my family understands what kind of gifts I deserve. No, what do we deserve, guys? We deserve hell. Okay, We have a holy God that we have rebelled against, that we have sinned against and thank god that he is merciful and loving and he gives us greater gifts than what this world we think can give so the problem here is guys the shared heart there's a lack of weed killer okay they need a good dose of roundup (laughs) that's what's needed again we know psalm 119 verse uh two we know the lord desires what our whole heart right The psalm says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with his whole heart. Seek him with his whole heart. It's good to seek the Lord. And it's good to do it through his word. Do you guys know that we have home studies during the week? Not just for people who have no lives and have nothing else to do. No, we have Bible study because we believe it's a great opportunity to seek the Lord. I encourage you guys to do it. Get into the Word of God. Any opportunity you have, get into the Word. Prioritize that stuff. But I got a vacation to go on. Great. Take a vacation to go learn the Word of God somewhere. Seek the Lord. Okay. 
Um, great illustration about a, a divided heart, okay? Not a divided heart like, a, 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 like this girl to which a young man had proposed and said, Darling, I want you to know that I love you more than anything. With all my heart, I love you. I want to marry you. I'm not rich. I don't have a Royals Royce. I don't have a yacht like Johnny Brown. But I do love you with all my heart. She thought for a minute and then she replied, I love you with all my heart. Too. I love you with all my heart. But tell me more about this Johnny Brown. <laughs> Guys, that's a shared heart, okay? Do you guys get that? Yeah, I love Jesus. But all this other stuff. All this other stuff. And it happens so easily. You see, this heart receives the word and it does not truly repent. It doesn't remove the weeds of his or her heart. You see, the gardener must not only love flowers and fruit, but also hate weeds. Look at verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out that word, right? And he becomes unfruitful. So unfruitful. Fruitless Christians is an oxymoron, guys. It can't be. If you are a born, don't you guys, are they really in heaven? We know they passed. I sure hope so. They had a profession in Christ. We know God is gracious and super merciful, but I sure like it when there's a brother or sister who's been bearing fruit in their life. There's no question then. Look, they were going for it with Jesus. They loved Jesus. They were salt and light. They were bearing fruit. That's what Christians are supposed to do, guys. There should be no question about it. So Luke 8, 14 adds, and bring no fruit to maturity. So there are those believers who never ripen. They never grow. You have those people that you've been sharing with. They've made a confession in Christ. But where's the fruit? You're waiting. Are they going to grow up? Is it ever going to happen? Is the fruit going to come? Maybe you had this type of fruit tree at your home. Okay? Little, stunted. It's just sour fruit. That's all we ever get off this tree. You see, the first three hearts produced no fruit. You guys see what Jesus is saying here? They had no fruit. So we know three is a crowd. So the cares of this world, the worries of this present age, deceitfulness of riches, okay, that deceptiveness, lure, okay, of the things of this world, of wealth, the desire for other things, Mark 4.19, right? Whatever takes place of the word, okay, in your life. So miscellaneous things can become the cause of spiritual stagnation. The lust of stuff. Do you guys know that it can be stealthy too? I'm going to ask you guys for prayers. I've been looking online the last couple of weeks at vehicles that were made in 1977. That's now getting old. Those are considered antiques. But it's amazing how many hours I've spent looking at stupid cars <laughs> You know, and a few nights ago, you start studying stuff like this. I'm like, what in the heck am I doing? I can't believe I've been wasting this time looking at these thousands of stupid cars that were made in 1977 because I don't even have money to actually buy one. But why am I, you know, do you guys have those same problems? Things just creep in and you're like, why am I wasting so much time on this 
thing. How did this happen? So it can be stealthy. You can enter into your house as a guest and you end up becoming, you know, the host and then pretty soon the master. And he's taking everything. Why am I so consumed by this thing? So a shared heart has a lack of weed killer. So the three fruitless hearts, so far the three fruitless hearts were influenced by three different enemies. That superficial heart, the devil himself snatches the seed. That shallow heart, the flesh counterfeits um, religious feelings. And then we have the shared heart, the things of this world smothers growth and prevents a harvest. Very three ugly enemies that we face today. Be aware, brother and sister. Now we'll conclude with the successful heart. Look at verse 23. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some 30. So the successful heart doesn't lack understanding, depth, or weed killer. Okay? These are true believers. Okay? Evidence, a changed life. The evidence, there's fruit in their lives. We know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and I love how they grouped them there. The first three of the group are inner attitudes, which are sourced by God, that love, joy, peace, that all comes from God, right? That's fruit. You know you're born again because you can't have peace with your maker unless you're born of God. You can't go through crud and have joy unless you actually know the Lord, right? So we have these things from him, this love, joy, and peace. The second are relational qualities that are expressed then to others where we then, because we've received these things, we can be long-suffering. We can show kindness. We can be gentle and then the third are those personal qualities that guide individuals conduct that faithfulness gentleness self-control there and those are who you know those are christ we've been crucified with him it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me life i now live i'm going to live in faith of the one who gave himself laid down his life for me he is worthy of my life so all our passions, our desires, they've been crucified. I'm dead with Christ. I've been raised. I'm made new. So not all true believers are equally as productive. We've got to be very careful. Don't look at your brother or sister and be like, oh, I don't know if I'm saved. Okay? Maybe they're a big, juicy apple, you know? And you're just a little apple. I've had good little apples before. Have you guys had some good crunchy little apples? Yeah, okay. Don't. If you're bearing fruit, praise the Lord, okay? If you see a brother or sister bearing bigger fruit, praise the Lord. Pray for them. Be encouraged by them. Hang out with them, okay? See, experts say uh, the tenfold is an average harvest. That's the norm. Thirtyfold is good. Sixtyfold is excellent, and a hundredfold, that's just amazing. That hardly ever, ever happens. So be careful when you're looking at each other. Okay? Don't fall into that game. We're all different. But we need to know that every genuine Christian will have evidence of fruit. 
That's just what it is. There will be evidence there. So the successful heart doesn't lack understanding, depth, or weed killer. Now, I want you guys to consider with me. We're wrapping up real quick. We're all very familiar with John chapter 4, where Jesus meets with that Samaritan woman at the well. You guys have been taught that passage. We know that passage well. I just want to highlight a couple verses from that passage that speak to what we've learned this morning about the four different hearts. Okay? Think about the progression of this lady as she met Jesus. And we're going to see it play out. All four hearts. We see the superficial heart in verse 9 of John 4 where it says, How is it you, speaking? she's speaking to Jesus, being a Jew, asked to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Very superficial, right? And then she says later, a few verses later in verse 15, this is a shallow heart now. Sir, give me water to drink that I may not thirst nor come here to draw, right? Very shallow. And then she says in verse 20, this is where the shared heart comes in. Our fathers, they worshiped on this mountain in verse 20. And you Jews, you say that you worship in Jerusalem in that place, you say, where one ought to worship, okay? That's a divided heart. Is it here? Is it there? You know, I'm doing my thing here. You guys can do your thing there, okay? Well, we finally have the successful heart because at the end of the story, verse 29, we see that successful heart. What does she do when she goes back home? Come, friends, come. You all need to come see the man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She believed you need to come see him. Do you guys see that? So don't give up on people that you see who are superficial or shallow or have a shared heart. They might be that close to finally coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So closing question, what soil type currently represents your response to God and his word? Where is your heart at? What can you do for your heart to become the kind of soil that Jesus is looking for? I hope you guys have been challenged this morning. I hope each and every one of us can leave here today just with a little something. Here's a little something I can do, okay, to work up the soil of my heart. (laughs) So saints, by grace, I encourage you, liberally sow the word of God every opportunity you have. Right now is Christmas. Don't lose the opportunity because it's the one time where we can talk about Jesus openly during the year. Let me tell you what, January 1st comes. Some of the people that I've been able to talk about because of the Christmas, they're going to be like, uh-oh, you just said Jesus. We're done. We don't talk about him. Should have asked me a week ago. (laughs) So let God take their core samples, okay? God knows the heart. He'll sort out the alveum, the calvium of their hearts. You just keep sowing and sharing his precious word. Let's stand to our feet, please. If you bow your heads with me, again, James 1.21 in the paraphrase version. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. And Father, that'd be so cool. Just to let you have your way. 
to sow the seed where you fit, see fit in our hearts and our lives, Lord. God, to be able to work our hearts. We don't want to make it hard on you. Lord, we want, want you to be able to do as you see fit. So we pray that you'd help. Help us, Father, where the things of this world grab a hold of us or we've lost interest or grown dull. Lord, you can, you can change our hearts in an instant. But I know a big part of that is that we need to agree. We need to humble ourselves, God. We need to plow up our hearts and say, yes, God, please help do what I can't. Lord, work my heart. Thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for each and every brother and sister that's here today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to each and every one of us, Lord, and what you would have us to do. How to work up the soils of our heart, how we can be sowing seed, Lord, not just this Christmas season, but every day of our lives, God. Give us those opportunities. We want to see much fruit for your glory. We ask in your name. Amen.